Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 16th episode. You know, this episode is the third episode of a four-part series on the mindset of team culture. And today my guest is Coach Justin Allenbaugh, who's the head varsity football coach at De La Salle High School. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the Spartan culture, but what it takes to be a Spartan and the things that an athlete has to commit to to be a part of this rich culture. Typically, when you think of De La Salle football, think of winning, a winning culture. But when you talk to Coach Alamba, he shares with us a little bit about it's more than just a winning culture, it's an effort culture. And the more that we talked about the effort culture, this is something that's ingrained within the whole school from the faculty, coaches, and student athletes. You know, Coach Allenbaugh really stresses that the main ingredient to the success overall in the high school culture is effort. And it's really interesting to hear how this rich culture of winning, you would feel and think that the focus is winning and it's not. It's about improving and learning and making sure that you put effort on every play on that field. So let's go talk to Coach Allenbaugh and learn about the Spartan culture. Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. You bet. Well, I, I want to thank you for uh, for being on being a part of this four series um, podcast on culture, and and I'm really excited to not only kind of hear from your perspective on the Spartan culture, but just kind of understand the full history of the De La Salle Spartan culture. Yeah, I'm just uh, I've been waiting for having this podcast for a few weeks. I'm very excited to, to have you on the show. I'm happy to be here. Anything I can do. Great, great. Well, well. Before we get into to the the Spartan culture, I always ask all of my guests before we get into kind of our discussion, and, and if anything, this this sets the tone on on mindset. So, what is your perspective, or what does mental toughness mean to you as a coach? <clears throat> that's, a, that's a good question. Mental toughness. I mean, there's a lot of different you know, there's a lot of different facets to having mental toughness for. For me, you know, we try to get our players to have the idea that they're going to be able to per- persevere through conditions that are harder than they're used to. Uh, that can be mental toughness in regards to being able to lift harder. It can be mental toughness in regards to kind of our cross-country coach. I actually took this from him. He, he talks a lot of times about a reassessing their pain threshold as far as conditioning and lifting and running and you know a lot of a lot of things that their body's not used to and a lot of things that they're not used to doing and you know kind of reassessing what their what their capabilities are mental toughness too can be you know especially during the you know during the football season it's (laughs) i'm not going to go out i'm not going to get in trouble i'm gonna i'm gonna avoid a lot of the trappings that are going on in society i'm gonna i'm not gonna go on twitter i'm not gonna go on instagram i'm gonna do my homework i'm gonna keep my grades up uh, it can also be very simply, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to take the easy way out and do something stupid, or I'm not going to take the easy way out and treat people poorly. I'm going to, I'm going to do the tougher thing and I'm going to, I'm going to be kind to the people around me. I'm going to take an extra moment to try and be a good teammate and try and be a good classmate. So there's a lot of things, but in, in reality, it's just really a lot of times just, you know, the push through situations that are, that are naturally somewhat challenging and be able to have the mental capacity to kind of allow yourself to take a moment and reflect and think about how <clears throat> this moment is something that's a little bit more than they're used to and being able to recognize that and try and push through and become better because of it. 
Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And, and I'm just wondering as well, you know, being an, a student athlete at De La Salle, just with the rich history of the culture and, you know, the winning uh, culture, do you believe that there's a lot of pressure on these athletes to, to have that, to, to uphold the culture and to have that, that level of mental toughness to, to be a part of the, the Spartan culture? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they're coming in. First of all, we got a lot of kids that, you know, have older brothers. I mean, I had my older brother played at Dale South when I, you know, when I came in and, you know, there was an expectation when I came in, I watched my brother and we have a lot of, we have a lot of kids that come in. They, they grew up watching us or they saw us on TV or they've heard about us and they come in and there is, there is an expectation. And a lot of the older kids talk about it to the younger kids. And I think that's a great thing. Uh, some people go, well, there's, you know, a lot of pressure on kids and, I, I disagree. I think it's in, in a lot of ways. I don't think we, I don't think we expect enough of our kids. Uh, mm. You know, the changing culture with what's going around the, you know, the, everybody talks about the immediate gratification and this and that, and, uh, some of the coddling that goes on. It's uh, I think it's good to have expectation. If you don't have expectation, you're not going to achieve anything great. Not to say that, you know, you, you know, high school football is the, you know, the, the know all and the end all and the be all, but you know, have an expectation of, you know, that your effort does matter and what you do does matter. I think that's a great thing. And I, you know, our program has had a lot of, has had a lot of success over the, over the decades. And uh, if there's an expectation that comes along with it, that you're supposed to work hard and do good things, then I think that's wonderful. I bet. And, and, and I agree with you as well. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of distractions in our society today with, with social media and, and also the, the immediate gratification and how that can, really deter a student athlete, um, whether on the field or off the field. So uh, I agree with you. I think having expectations and, and holding them accountable and pushing them to the limits, you know, I think is a great thing. So that that's awesome to hear that you guys are doing that. Now, let's, let's dive a little bit into kind of when you started. I know you've been a part of the program for a long time. You were a student athlete. You played football and baseball at De La Salle. I believe you've been coaching head coach for the last four years. You took over for Coach Ladd, who's arguably the best high school football coach in history. What was it like when you when you first got the job and you were taking over for the best high school football coach? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> that took some mental toughness. There you <laughs> I'll, go. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> now, the initial, you know, it's not like the uh, – <clears throat> the process had been worse with Terry Edson, our longtime defense coordinator, who's still there. And with, with coach Ladd, you know, they were kind of, they were kind of bringing me along for a long time, which was, which was awesome. I had been the head strength coach for a while and I've been coaching there in different capacities since 1998. So I, I had a good feeling about what to do. And I was pretty intricately involved in the program in a lot of different ways. And uh, so when I took over, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I, I didn't have a feeling that I that I knew what I was doing or anything like that. But until you're in the until you're in the head job, there's no way to prepare until you actually put those shoes on. And uh, I, I couldn't have asked for, you know, a better guy to be taken over for. And he, you know, he he's still in the program. Our whole coaching staff is still the same. I mean, I mean we ha we've had a lot of continuity, which is awesome. And uh, uh, in a lot of ways, it was pretty seamless. And but in a lot of ways, it was really challenging because you're taking over for a guy that. As the, you know, he's won God, 399 games or something like that. He was my head coach. He's my mentor. And, <clears throat> but it, I was really appreciative of him bringing me along. And he, 
you know, he asked me, he was like, Hey, I'd like to kind of be involved if that's okay. I'm like, yeah. You know, <laughs> and he's like, well, I think I can help out with the defensive line. I go, sure. And you know, a lot of people ask him like, Oh, what was that like? Uh, he must've been overbearing. I go, no, you really must not know the guy. Cause it was, he was not overbearing in any way, shape or form far, far to the opposite. He was, he deferred too much in a lot of ways. I mean, I remember in the, I think we were in the, the NorCal, yeah, the NorCal Open game, and uh, we were playing, I believe, Folsom. I think that was the first year, and he said, uh, like, hey, I, you know, I have an idea, but, you know, you're, you're calling the plays. I have an idea. I, I think it might work. And I looked over him. I go, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, he mentioned, he, mentioned a, he mentioned running a play that I was thinking about out of a different formation, and we ran it. And it was a touchdown. I go, hey, you know, feel free to chime in on those. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Uh and that's sort of how the culture is. That's sort of how we operate. It's not necessarily about who gets credit or anything like that. And uh, it's been, it was that first year was definitely challenging just because there's so many new, there's just so many new uh, nuances to to being a head coach. You know, I was doing a lot before that. I was the offensive line coach. I coached linebackers. I was the strength coach and I was doing a lot. I was on campus full time as a teacher. I was doing a lot, but it was until you're actually in that position, it's, it's a lot different, but I had somebody literally his desk is a foot away from mine. It still was, and it still is. And I had, I had literally, you know, one of my best friends and my mentor sitting right next to me. So if I had a question, it was pretty easy to ask. And if I was doing something wrong, Terry Edson, our longtime defensive coordinator, he doesn't have a problem chiming in about what, about what he thinks about what we're doing. So. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, that's awesome that you have, you know, access, not, not to, a, not only to a, a very solid coaching staff with continuity, but you have coach lad there you know, to, to help you. So th- that's awesome. Now on your first day though, you, you've been a part of this culture for a long time. You, you as an athlete have, I think when you were at De La Salle, you never even lost as an athlete, um, at least on, on the football team. Did you feel on your first day that you needed to make any changes with the culture or did you feel like you just needed to just keep it steady moving forward? Uh, both. Uh, to be honest, I mean, there's, I mean, to come in and to come into the Dale South program and try and, you know, make overhaul changes or any massive changes, I, I think would be just the, <laughs> just the height of hubris and the, I mean, just massive pride and ego and trying to change something that's just so, you know, that has had so much success and had an impact on me. I mean, that would be in my, I mean, catastrophic, foolish hubris and just, <laughs> illogical so no 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 overhauls or no major changes or anything like that but i but you know the game is changing and kids are changing and uh you know we had to make changes you know some small changes and some small nuances that are different now if you know alumni come back and they look at the program the program in and of itself looks you know very similar you know we're still working our kids hard we're still doing a lot of you know the vast majority is still very similar things but you know, some of the things we do in practice, you know, obviously there's a lot of changes in tackling. Some of the, some of the things we do offensively are a little bit different. We still run the same offense though. Um, practices, are, practices are a little different than they used to be. And just some of the, you know, kids are different now than they were 30 years ago. But, you know, coach Ladd had to change too. He had to change all the time. Um, you know, with every passing year and every passing decade, you know, kids are changing the kids that you have in the program are changing. The kids that you have every specific year are changing. So there's always changes that have to happen. And I had some things that I, you know, that I wanted to do, especially with practice and some of the, 
and some of the off season stuff. And I made a, I implemented a couple of changes. I think they've been good, but they were, you know, why didn't come in, you know, on high and just cast a wand and say, this is something we're doing, you know, something that we, that had been in discussion with a lot of our coaches for a while. And it's not like coach lab was like, no, I don't want to do that. It was just, it was, it was a, it was an easy time to make a couple small, small changes. You know, when I was talking to, to Coach Patrick Walsh from Sarah High School, who was uh, on the first series of this uh, four-part series, and obviously he played at De La Salle, and, and I asked him, you know, how much do you integrate the Spartan culture that you're accustomed to into Sarah? And he says, a lot. He's like, why fix it if it's not broken? And so it's it's interesting how, you know, players, and I know this not only just players that have came out of De La Salle, but I know there's other athletes and coaches that really respect your culture that adapt to a lot of your, your principles and core values. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, well, for, I mean, there's a lot of guys that I played with or played before me or played after me that are in the coaching range. Coach Walls is one of them. I've known him since I was eight. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, he, my brother played off at the line for him at Del Sal. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of other guys, coach Galley over at Pitt, <clears throat> coach Belaci over at Cal. I just to name a few, but, guys that went through the program but there's a lot of teams that you know that take a look at the success that the program's done and uh we have a lot of co- we have a lot of coaches from other schools coming by frequently we i mean we have <clears throat> one coming today for sure plaster's coming down they've uh, one of their coaches makes a joke he's like i should get a frequent flyer mile here because he was driving up and back from plaster all the time and he comes by practice and he was man during some of the spring and some of the off season and during some of the playoffs when their season had ended he was here all the time and it was it was pretty cool so it's there's a lot of success there's a lot of things to be learned I learned a lot from you know a lot of other programs as well I went down and talked to Patrick quite a bit for a couple of things that you know they did offensively that gave us some troubles and you know, we have some personnel that it might be able to work with a little bit. And I went in, I learned from what him and his coaching staff was doing. I think to not do that as a coach, if you think that somebody's doing something well, I think to to not at least try and see if it's something that might fit your culture and your program is, is foolish. You know what also too, Patrick said something that was really cool. He said that coaching is, it's a sharing culture and when you think of your success, De La Salle, and, and all the wins and all the championships you have, there's probably a notion that some people are like, you know, De La Salle probably keeps everything close to the vest because everybody wants to beat De La Salle. But that's actually the opposite from what I've been told is that you're very generous on pretty much opening up your playbook, talking to people how to defend your, your scheme. And I, I think it's part of your culture. I think that's, that's really awesome. Yeah, I mean it's it's something that it it started in, in reality to a lot of the <clears throat> sort of the mentality that Coach Ladd had and passed it on to a lot of people that you know played for him or were around him. He's like, you know, if 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 our focus is about kids and not winning games, which mine is, and I know Coach Walsh's is, and a lot of coaches are, then you know <laughs> we're doing wrong by not sharing something that we think we do well. Or if somebody wants to learn, thinks that they can learn something from us, then it would be it would be morally wrong almost to not to not at least you know discuss it and see if they liked it you know they may not like a lot of the stuff we do but if they like something and something that can help kids then it's absolutely something that we that we have an open door policy on we we talk to coaches ad nauseum i mean we have we have call we have coaches come by 
on a weekly basis. I'm in contact with coaches from all over the ta- all over the place on a weekly basis, sharing film, this and that. The, to be honest, the only coach that I won't talk to about some of the stuff we're doing is whoever we're playing that week. <laughs> besides that, <laughs> besides that, you know, besides that, we meet with everybody and we have we have an open door policy and we're happy to help. And you know, we've we've seen a lot of the same from a lot of coaches all over. Like I said, with Coach Walsh recently and. You know, we bounce ideas off a lot of different coaches, and we like to talk to them about a lot of different things that they're doing. Well, I mean, it sounds like a, a great best best practice. So, very cool, very cool. Well, in regards to the Spartan culture, share with me and my, my listeners, you know, what makes up the Spartan culture or the Spartanhood? Uh, it's realistically the – it revolves around the idea that your efforts matter on, a, on an individual basis and you're, start, you're, you're part of something bigger than yourself. And that's, if I could try and kind of hone it down to two kind of major concepts, um, that's it. Because if, if you think about that, that, you know, I, I have a parent meeting every year and I tell them this year we have 60 kids on our varsity football team. And I tell them athletically, one of your kids is my best player and one of your kids is my worst. I mean, that's just the fact. One of your kids is the 60th best, best player on our team. It's just it's the, it's the sheer facts of it. Right. <clears throat> on the flip side, all of, all of their efforts matter. Every single one of their individual efforts matter because they're going to be in scout team. They're going to be doing – they're going to be helping prep other guys. And some of the best, some of the best efforts that we see and some of, the, some of the most important things that build our culture is the efforts of, you know, those guys that aren't the best players and that aren't the most talented guys. It's the guys that grind away. It's the guys that are on scout team. It's the guys that, you know, get 10 plays a game. And when they play, when they play those 10 plays, they play like demons out there and they give everything that they possibly can because, you know, they really embrace that attitude. And a lot of times that has a real important effect on, on the entire team as a whole. And a lot of times it's especially helpful if you have your best, your best players that really embrace that as well. One of the best we've ever had was a, a kid, Anthony Sweeney, he was a quarterback for us and he, that guy, that, that guy did absolutely everything like it was the last moment that he had to be a Spartan. And, that, and that's just, it's just infectious. And when you have your best players doing it along, along with a lot of the guys that, you know, aren't your most talented guys, you create a culture that, you know, they really care about each other. And they understand that uh, if I'm not doing my best, if I'm not doing my very best, in some way, shape, or form, I'm harming the people around me. And that's something that we really try and instill and we, you know, and for every kid, that's a different thing. You know, uh, for every kid, their best effort is going to be something that's a little bit different. And for every kid, you know, some kids have better leadership qualities and they have to give their best effort in the leadership capacity. Some kids are, you know, they're a little more quiet and, you know, they just need to be really, really good and really conscious on the field. There's a lot of different things. And that's, that's sort of the beauty of coaching. That's sort of the fun of it because every year, especially in high school football, every year uh, you have to try and figure out as a staff how to reach each and every one of your individuals to understand what their capacities are, what is their best effort, help them give it. So they understand, try and implement that into the, into the sort of greater good and have, help them understand that while their individual efforts matter, they matter because there's people around them that are counting on them and to not do your best and to not, you know, be at all the workouts and to not be doing everything as hard as you possibly can. You're actually, you're actually being selfish. You're actually harming the people that, you I've entered a, in a relationship with, you know, when we're on a football team or any team, you're, you're in a corporate, you're in anything, you know, 
you're in a relationship. My wife and I are in a relationship. And for me not to give my best effort actually harms her. Right. It's the same type of thing on a football team. I'm in a, you know, if you signed up, we didn't make you play. If you signed up and you want to do this, you're entering in a relationship with 59 other guys around you. And if you don't do your best, you're actually doing them harm. And it's, it's really selfish. And on the flip side, if you're doing your best, you're elevating, you're elevating their well-being as well. And that's something that we take a lot of, uh, that we take a lot of time to try and build and, you know, our best teams really embrace that. You know, it's interesting when you're, when you're bringing up, you know, when you have second string and third string players, especially, you know, and I'm going to generalize this statement, but I'm guessing because of the, the amount of talent you have in your program that these second string, third string players could probably be first string players in other schools. And when you have that, when you have these second string and third string players, as a coaching staff and as a head coach, how do you get them to buy in into the culture and not give up? Because you know maybe they'll they'll get a couple plays a game or maybe a couple plays a year. How do you how do you get the buy in into the culture with your athletes? Well, it's the idea that you know, like I talked about with our you know, like our scout team guys, our, our scout team guys, their week is Monday through Thursday, especially, and you know. And they kind of get to, if they did a good job, they get to reap the rewards of watching the people that they care about succeed on a Friday. And, uh, you know, some kids, some kids, you know, uh, they naturally take on that role really well and it's easy and they're pretty selfless and they understand it. Some kids, it takes, a, it takes a longer time. It's, that's where you have to build a relationship with them and you have to sit them down and, um, and you got to really work with them on, on what, on what is best for them and what their best can be. You know, if, uh, yeah. Also, you know, sometimes, you know, like, you know, my position, for example, is the offensive line. That's the position that I coach. Um, offensive linemen, if I, you know, I, I tell them, if I have 12 offensive linemen that have earned the right to play in, a, in, in the big moments in a game, when the game's on the line, I'll play all 12 of them in some way, shape, or form. And then I do. One of the, you know, one of the best <clears throat> in 2015, one of the, or one of the best, one of the better offensive lines we've had. 2003, 2010, we rotated like 12 guys the whole time. And we'd rotate them through. And when those guys went in, they played and they just they played their tails off and they had earned the right in practice. Sometimes we have less. And, you know, we're always, we film every rep of every practice. We're lucky to have, we were lucky to have somebody that's there at every single sol- solitary one of our practices and he films every one of our reps. Tony DiMatte, the guy's a, the guy's a godsend for our program. And we tell him, you know, <clears throat> practice film doesn't lie. And if you're going to do something and you're going to do it really well, you know, we're going to notice. We watch every rep. Right. And, if, and if you have any questions about, you know, if, why you can't get in the game, watch the film with us. And we watch it, you know, we watch it every day. Um, it's a process, though. It's not like, you know, I think people think that we walk in and we go, this is Dale Sal. You know, you're going to be a scout team guy because I said so. It's not, they're kids, you know. Right. Almost the vast, the vast majority of kids want to get on the field. They want to play and they want to be a star and all that stuff. And I, and I get it. And that's. That's how I was too. That's how everybody is. And that's how they should be. Um, you know, but sometimes there's, there's reality. Disappointment is sometimes a part of life and it's how you kind of deal with disappointment. I, you know, I, I went down to UCLA and I was playing baseball and I want, you know, I'd love to be a star. Uh, guys like Chase Utley, they were better than me. <laughs> my role was different, you know, right. and it's okay. That's okay. But, uh, you know, I have to reassess sort of what my abilities are and how I can contribute to the team. If I'm going to be a selfless person, I'm going to be, a, you know, part, part of the, you know, the, the good that's around me. 
You know, I love this conversation because even when I was coaching football and even when I'm working with athletes now from a mental perspective, I always stress that the second string or the third string is probably one of the most important positions on the team because it's the whole next man up theory. If you're not prepared, because you don't know, even if the guy that's playing in front of you, who is, you know, a five-star chipper that's already, you know, committed to a D1 school, but ends up getting hurt in the middle of the game, you have to fill in those shoes and you have to be mentally and physically prepared for that. So, so I love it what you do and I love your, your mindset on, on getting the buy-in from, from these second, third string athletes. Yeah, we play, we put a lot of emphasis on it and our, you know, our scout team, we have a specific coach that just does our scout team and, you know, they take a lot of pride in it. They, when our scout team does a great job, we give, we give credit and kudos as, as much as we do on a Friday night. So um, it, it is, and it's some of the best Spartan efforts that I see, you know, that are, are from the guys that know they're not going to get a lot of playing time, but they work, their, they work as hard as anybody else on the team uh, just because they know, first of all, you know, their efforts during the week matter and they're trying to prepare their friends. And then oftentimes football is a violent sport. We've never gone through any year ever. I don't think any football team has ever gone through an entire year without an injury. So right. uh, somebody's going to be getting in. We're going to tell them. You, and, and if you if you care about if you care about your teammates, and if you're not preparing, you're going to feel really bad if you get put in that game and you're like, oh man, I didn't prepare as hard as I should have. You're going to feel really bad about that. So don't let that happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this question: Who do you think holds the culture accountable? Uh, first of all, it, I mean, it really stems from our seniors. The, the coaches are sort of the, 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 the coaches are sort of like the guideposts. You know, we try and, we try and come in and, you know, let them know if they're veering off track or if things are going really well. But if everything comes from the coaches, it's not authentic because, well, you know, I'm not, you know, we have practice later today. Our linemen are probably at one of their one of the, you know one of the linemen's house playing video games and jumping in the pool and this and that and the other and I'm not there that's not it's their team you right. know it, they have to take a lot of ownership of their team and it's something that if done well if if we guide it correctly the seniors will have an understanding about what it means to be a Spartan and they're going to start instilling it on the younger guys that's why we always try and match up our older guys with our younger guys starting in January we we have them choose somebody that plays their own position or somebody that they don't know or somebody that, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe grew up right down the street or something like that. And, you know, we try and mix and match it older guys and younger guys so they can sort of start instilling what we're trying to do. Um, and, you know, we meet with those seniors frequently, bring them in and let them know individually and as a whole, how we think they're doing. And it's our job as coaches to somewhat guide them, but you know, no team, no team can be completely guided by a coach. Those those older those returners and those seniors, they have to. It's their season. It's their team. They have to take ownership of what's going on. And if they don't, then it's sort of like a rudderless ship. Right. Absolutely. No. I think the the players play a big part in in holding any culture uh, accountable. Since you've been a, a part of the organization or the program for such a long time, what do you think, from your perspective? What do you think that what is the most special thing that makes up the Spartan culture? Just the ownership that our, that our seniors take, uh, you know, they take, they take a lot of pride in the idea, especially the, especially the teams that have been really 
really exceptional. I'm not just talking about the wins and losses. I'm talking about the teams that really got the, the idea of the Spartan concept and really cared about each other and had a lot of love for one another. Um, it's the seniors taking complete ownership of it. I mean, there's been years, <laughs> there's been years, but you know, by the end of the year where I felt like I wasn't coaching mm-hmm. and, you know, a 2003 team or a 2010 team in recent memory. And, uh, you know, even 2015, by the end of the year, those guys were a pretty exceptional group. It was, you know, by the end, we had some teams where it was almost like those seniors had, they knew what we wanted, they knew what they wanted, and they, and they were going to do everything in their power to make sure that they got it. And, you know, they kind of policed the whole team, and they, you know, if they, heard, if they heard that somebody was going to a party, they would stop them before it happened and things like that. I mean, just just some pretty exceptional things that we were seeing from some of, from some of our seniors and uh, that's always something that I've taken a lot of pride in. It's, sometimes we, we kind of take it back and we come in as coaches and we're in the coach's office like, man, I'm not even tired. I don't even feel like I did much today. And that's <laughs> right. we're like, ah, we're like, that's a good sign. <laughs> you know, some years we come in at the end of the year, I'm like, man, I am freaking exhausted. I feel like I'm coaching my tail off every day. And that's also fun. There's a lot of good in that. But some, sometimes that's a bad sign. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, there's nothing like it to see young men step up and – in, whether it's in the weight room, off the field, in the classroom, on the field, stepping up and holding their, their own peers accountable. Because that, that's the stuff that's going to make them men in our society and, uh, and leaders. So I love it. I love hearing that. Let me ask you this. As a head coach, how do you integrate the administration, the student body, and the parents into the Spartan culture? <clears throat> we put a lot of great people around us. I mean, Beautiful. that's not something... You know, this is where, you know, the, not, not everything starts and stops with me. There's a lot of people around me. I mean, we have our our head JV coach. I played with the Dillisau. Our head freshman coach. I coached at Dillisau. The one of our main student activities guy is was in my wedding, and I was in his. The, I mean, there's just people come to me with ideas. I, I'm not I, I'm not always the guy that has the answer. In fact, frequently I'm not. And you got to rely on really talented people around you. And then, you know, one thing that we try and instill with the parents is to allow their kids to have their own experience. Well, not to say that we don't want to talk to parents or anything like that, but in a lot of ways, you know, I don't just because <clears throat> I didn't want my mom talking to my coach. It was my coach. It wasn't right. her, you know, it wasn't her <laughs> coach. It was, I didn't want my dad talking to my coach, you know. And we try and instill that upon them. Obviously, you know, we meet with parents all the time if there's if there's questions or concerns or anything like that. But we really try and instill upon the parents that this is your son's team and this is, you know, let them go, let them have their own experience. And, uh, you know, and just, you know, nurture them and try and guide them as best as possible and, you know, hopefully enjoy the ride. Uh, with, you know, the school, the administration and everything, we have a, we have a great school. There's a school, it, it's a uh, it's, everybody just thinks of it as a football school and all that, which is which is not even close to the truth at all. Uh, anybody that's really been to our – if you step foot on our campus or you walk out to our football field, you kind of see pretty quickly that's not just all about football or you see our weight room or anything like that. That's, that couldn't be further from the truth. And Our kids take a lot of pride in doing things well all the, all the way across the board. I mean, we had a couple of football players that um, – our theater director came to me like, Hey, we need, we need some guys that can, that are athletic, but that are big enough to lift a lot of people. Cause we're doing, we're doing a, we're doing a play where they have to lift some dancers. And I go, I got a couple guys for you. And two of them are at UCLA playing right now. Another one was Anthony Sweeney. I, those guys were in the play and they're dancers. And 
it was great. Wow. And, you know, a lot of the, yeah, a lot of, the, and a lot of the, a lot of the guys and the girls that were in theater, you know, saw that and they come out and they see a lot of, uh, they come out and they watch a game. I mean, they get to know each other on a, you know, on a little bit of a different level. And that wasn't my idea. The theater director came to me. I didn't go, you know what I need? I need Bob Tagaloa. Uh, you know, who's going to play defensive tackle at UCLA to go dance around in the Cinderella play? That wasn't my idea. But <laughs> I really liked, I really liked the idea, which he approached me with it. And I go, I got a couple guys that can do it really well for you. So uh, it was something that, uh, it's something that, honestly, it's it's something that I've learned from anybody that's successful around me is to rely on people that do things well, and you know, not try and <laughs> not everything's about me. You know, it doesn't my just like everything else, my efforts matter, what I do matters, but not everything starts and stops with me in any way, shape, or form. And you know what? It's it's awesome to hear that beyond just the football program culture, the, the culture at De La Salle. Uh, you know, what my best friend, actually his brother actually played for you a few years ago, Adam Mayer. And of course. Yeah. yeah. Tough little dude, man. Uh, he was very tough. He, yeah, he had a gruesome injury. He came back. He was awesome. He's one of my—he's one of my favorites. You know, and he even—I remember him telling me, and also telling uh, his older brother about the culture of the school. He's, he just basically—I remember having a conversation with him. He said, "It's not that you just want to be a great athlete. You want to be like you're—you're you're in this environment. You want to be good at everything you want to do, whether if it's in school or relationships and how you communicate with your administration and family." He's like. They, it's just an environment where everybody else wants that, so it's contagious. And man, like how awesome! How, how awesome is that to be a part of that type of culture? It is. It's inspiring. I mean, you 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 walk around. I mean, you see, like I said, you see some of the theater productions. Or then I teach right above where the robotics class is, and they, you know they're they're making these kids. I have no idea even what they're doing, but they they show up with a they make a robot and it's make it's thro- it's making baskets and i go how did, how did you guys do that i, I mean <laughs> and, and you walk anywhere on campus and there's people really doing a lot of really good things our campus ministry program um obviously a lot of a lot of athletics uh not just football and the, there's there's a lot of great people that help guide the ship over at Dallas Al, and it's it's a pretty special place I'm, i feel really hu- humbled and lucky to be in there so um it is but ma- mayor's correct you know you're kind of it's not okay to just not to not at Dale South, it's it's not really, and a lot of schools are like that too. It's not like Dale South is the only place that does that, but you know, really successful schools create create opportunities for kids to understand, you know, that there's something that they're really good at and to latch onto and uh, and to really excel at. Absolutely, absolutely, and it just it just it, hearing hearing from other athletes that I've you know grew up with that played there and hearing from you and it's just actually to me it's inspiring just to to hear. Um, that how alive the culture is throughout the, the the whole organization or the whole school. So that's that's awesome to hear. Before I I close up here, I wanted to touch on a little bit on the movie that was made about your program when the game stands tall. And I wanted to ask you a question: How much did that movie portray the culture as it as it has been or as it is today? It's a that's tough to answer. I mean, it's, I don't think it did a bad job. It's, it's a nice movie uh, it, for, let me put it this way. So I'm watching, I go, yeah, you know, obviously it's a Hollywood movie. So they have to make some changes. And, uh, I think they did a good job of trying to really, to kind of wrap in what the culture is and to, to give a good reflection about what the culture is. 
in a lot of ways, I think they, they succeeded in doing that. Um, I'll give you an example. I was at, you know, one of the movie screenings or whatever it is. And I, and I was watching, I go, that didn't happen. That's not what, you know, like I'm, as a guy that was there, it's hard to watch what's happening. And it it was accurate, obviously, but there's, you know, there's some massaging of the truth going on with a Hollywood movie. And then I go, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this movie. And I look over my wife and she's bawling. She's like, this movie's phenomenal. I'm like, okay. So, (laughs) so it's, it's, it's a tough thing for me to answer. I thought they, I thought I thought they did a good job encapsulating what um, the program is about, and I think that really for me and, a lot, and for the alumni and the guys that went through the program really is what matters. So in that respect, you know, I'm really happy with it, and it, it was it was good in that regard. You know, obviously we're having this conversation because I I love culture. I love culture in sports, in in corporate um, environments. I just love it, and. One of the things that I, I really enjoyed seeing in that movie was, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a there's a part in the movie where Coach Ladd, I think you guys do this every before every game where you have commitment cards. Yes. Now I love that. Now do you guys do you still do that to this day? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, definitely. That was started by. I was started in the early '90s by uh, a guy that was really instrumental in building the program. A guy. Steve Alexikos, he was our offensive line coach, and he uh, he brought in the ideas of the commitment cards, and we still use them. Uh, we still use them every week, every single solitary week during the season. We use them. Kids, uh, they have to commit to somebody that's going to hold them accountable. Uh, they have to make commitments uh, that are strength and conditioning, practice, and game goals. Uh, and they have to be measurable, attainable, and uh, they have to they have to be something that you know benefits them and the, and the people around them. And that kind of, that kind of ties in with, you know, what it means to be a Spartan. <clears throat> For example, if I'm a, you know, you go and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give an extra set of 10 push-ups or something like that. That does nothing for anybody. You know, that's, that's pointless. Or a lot of times we do, uh, we get kids that we, we call it saber rattling. Like they're taking out their sword and waving it at people. We're like, I'm going to have 900 yards rushing. It's like, okay, man, <laughs> settle it down a little bit. So we have to guide them in what they're doing and, uh, but I think the impact is really good as, you know, you, you have to, you have to put yourself out there. You have to, you have to write down what you're going to be attempting to do. And we can't, we don't do things like I'm going to give a hundred percent effort because that's not measurable. I can't measure nobody on the planet besides yourself can measure whether you're giving a hundred percent effort. Right. Um, but you know, there are ways to measure effort in, in you know, in a different way. Uh, you know, in practice goal, an offensive lineman, I'm going to work on my first and second step. I'm not going to swing my second step outside the frame quarterback i'm going to complete 75 percent of my my passes in seven on seven during practice so there's a lot of things that are that are very very measurable and our kids while we're going through film on a saturday after our after our game on friday they have their commitment cards out they're writing down whether whether the the person that the committed to them made their goal so if you know i have to commit to somebody else that's on the team most of the time it's either you know if i'm a second stringer as a guy that's starting above me or a lot of times it's somebody that i go against every day in practice it's somebody that can really measure what i'm doing and uh it's had a really phenomenal impact on our on our program and something we still do to this day. Yeah, and I think it's it's had an impact on just the football culture because I know so many and truly so many high school and also college programs that are, that I'm sure they they're doing that since they've seen that movie. Um and maybe they've been doing it before, but I I know for a fact that I've worked with other coaches and they've talked about how they have adapted that uh procedure or policy or event uh, into their culture. So it's pretty powerful. 
yeah, it's something that we really we you know we attribute a lot of our success to that because it's it gives you it gives you weekly benchmarks and a lot of times daily benchmarks. A lot of kids will be talking about hey, you're not making your commitment during practice and things like that. So it gives you weekly and daily benchmarks about where you're at and where you need to be. Beautiful. Well, coach, I uh, before I wrap up here, I want to promote a book, which uh, I always promote a book at the end of all my podcast and. And this book is uh, it's it's a Lou Holtz book. It's called Winning Every Day, and basically he talks about certain things he does in his coaching staff and his teams that he's coached, what they have done in the past um, from a culture standpoint. So, which is great because he has an acronym called Win, which is what's important now. So I've remember I read this when I was playing football, and I've always uh, I've always had that acronym stick in my head for some reason. But but just like you, just like Coach Ladd. You guys share a lot of very similar coaching approaches like Lou Holtz. So I wanted, I thought it was very, um, you know, timely to, to bring this up. My listeners, if you have a chance to, to go check out the movie, When the Game Stands Tall, or check out this book, please do it. Uh, Coach, man, this is awesome, man. I love really talking to you and learning about your culture, and I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. I really appreciate it. Thanks. You bet.